People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right. In today's episode, we have an amazing magician. Um, I've known this guy for years, but only through seeing him on television. You may have seen him as well on ABC, NBC, Fox, WGN, CW, Global News. This guy's headline, Las Vegas uh, at the MGM, the Venetian, Bally's with over 10,000 performances. He starred in 10 national tours of Masters of Illusion. I can go on and on and on, but we got the dude on the air with us. Let's talk to him. Everybody, it's Greg Gleason. What's up, Greg? How are you, sir? Hey, Wes. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Dude, I am so excited. So we have a mutual friend, Ray Lum. Yes. And Ray and Ray was saying how great you were. And then he yes. introduced me to you. And it was one of those bro bondings, man. I, I was really torn. When I'm at a magic convention, I want to take in every inch of that magic convention. Yep. But I was really torn in that uh, dealer room because I wanted to hang out and talk to you. We really hit it off. I had a blast, <laughs> man. But there was a lecture starting, and I'm like, oh, we were so good. I can't <laughs> wait to continue this conversation. So let's get into it. Hey, let's Greg, we have my wife, Natalie, here as well. Hey. And, uh, hey, Natalie. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Sorry I couldn't have met you in uh, Vegas, but somebody had to stay home and take care of the kids. Yeah, that, <laughs> that happens. I understand. One-year-old twins and a 10-year-old daughter, man. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So what's up? What's going on with you? Ray Lum was just over here a few hours ago, as a matter of fact. Oh, was he? I love yeah. that dude. He is so cool. He's a good guy. Yeah, I have a, a project that he was looking at, maybe maybe taking on for me. So we'll see what happens there. You guys do a lot of work together, though. Yeah, he. you know, he, he, his craftsmanship and workmanship, it, it doesn't get any better. He's a perfectionist. Well, that's that's what he says as well. So that, that's two people. <laughs> no he's awesome he's awesome um, yeah. so greg tell me how'd you get started in magic people don't know you as well as i do introduce yourself to the world man i got listeners in 45 different countries now so uh let's introduce the world to you that i've been i've been doing it a long time i've been doing it you know close to oh i don't know over 45 years maybe somewhere in that ballpark i started in the 70s i had my first shows i was doing in the 70s um, I was, I was actually doing magic before Doug, about a year before Doug Henning hit the scene. I was, I had already been doing shows and, uh, before Doug, it was, uh, Mark Wilson's magic circus and, Absolutely. uh, Bill Bixby, the magician. And, uh, and, and that was really, it kind of got me hooked TV magic cards, which is the Marshall Brodine's Fengali deck was, you know, it was a, a nightly, it was a nightly commercial on all the stations and, Magic was kind of, you know, it was kind of cool back then. It was kind of booming. And then uh, Doug Henning hit the scene in 75, and, and all of a sudden it was very cool. So, um, Where did you grow up? I, I grew up all over the country. And um, when I got first got exposed to magic, I was living in Dallas, Texas, which um, okay. was That's in magic the magic land, land. Exactly. It's where Mark yeah. Wilson started at demonstrating, and it was downtown, exactly where, you know, Mark worked behind the counter but it was he'd already gone to uh la and had done his tv show so he was long gone but um no dallas magic land is where i started and you know my dad would take me down there 
uh, if I was lucky once a month, probably once every two months. And, you know, I'd have like $10 to spend at the most. And <laughs> it was, it was, uh, you know, I could get a couple tricks in the genie magazine. And so it was enough to get me going. And, uh, did you spend but, that $10 every time you went? Just spent yeah, it all. Uh, all the time. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Wes says that was what he did too. He took all his, all his money, just put it on the counter and said, what can I get for this? <laughs> it's like, it's like a drug addiction. It really is. I remember shaking and just dumping money on the counter and counting out pennies saying, what can I get for this? I remember that vividly, man. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it was fun days. And you know, they had like some top shot magic, the Milson worth stuff. And, and I'd look at that and they were nice enough to show it to me. And, and uh, in seventh grade, you know, I'm 13 years old. I'm taking mechanical drawing and wood shop and metal shop and plastics. So I go, I can build all that. So in junior high, everyone was building, you know, I don't know what they were building. Ashtrays. Ashtrays yeah. and gun racks. <laughs> yeah. That's what they I, built in my home, Mick. <laughs> high school was more the gun racks. Everyone was building gun racks in high school, and I was building zigzags and sub trunks. So. That's oh, awesome. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, fun days. So were you doing magic in high school? Like, were you doing talent shows and things? Um, you know, I only did, I did the senior talent show. I don't know if there was a talent show when I was a sophomore and junior. So I probably would have. Probably, they probably didn't have one. So, and the senior one I do, I, rem I remember that well. That was a lot of fun. It went better than uh, Amazing Jonathan's. Have you ever heard his story about his uh, talent show? Oh, yeah. I, no, I, yeah. Yours I, went better than that one, right? Yeah. No, mine was very, it was very successful. It was a good one. And uh, yeah, most of the kids in, in the, you know, didn't even know in high school that I was doing magic. So it, it and, you know, back then, it, not a lot of people, it, it you know, wasn't, ex, didn't have the exposure it does now, it does, you know, didn't have all the YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff. So no one really knew. And, uh, you know, I was the only variety act in the whole show. It was all singing pretty much. And and then it's like, thank God there's some variety in this show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So where'd you go from high school? Um, high school into college. And uh, I was that was in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, not a lot of magic there. So I was kind of on my own. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. There was a... Uh, all my exposure was pretty much through genie magazine back then. Um, I, um, there weren't any magicians to hang out with. Uh, when we were in college, we started like a magic club there and we were only six. We were only like, I don't know, a hundred miles from Joe Stevens, um, Stevens magic emporium in Wichita and, and Joe and, and Nick would come up, Nick Sainer. And he was a little, he was a year older than me, maybe. And they'd come up to our meetings and, and uh, it, it was cool having the exposure to Stephen's magic. Cause you know, Joe put on some amazing conventions. He put on the world magic seminar for years, the desert magic, magic seminar. Um, he did some conventions in Wichita, Kansas, which were kind of, the, I went to a magic convention in Dallas in 74, 75, but I was such a kid and I wasn't registered. They were just letting me walk around and watch the lectures and stuff. But the first time I really, I first time I really was registered for a magic convention was uh, in 78 and Joe Stevens put it on in Wichita. It was amazing. You know, I got to sit down with Fred Caps for an hour and, and Fred was showing me close up magic and Ali Bongo was there. And 
Wow. I think that was the first time I met Johnny Thompson. And uh, that was a great convention. A lot of fun. The 79 convention was great. I mean, all the good guys were there. You know, Di Vernon was always there. Slidini was there. Charlie Miller was there. Um, in 1980, there was an amazing convention in Wichita with uh, Joe Stevens put on that um, the first show, I mean, uh, not the first show, but the, the main show, the first half was Mr. Electric and Johnny Thompson and David Copperfield was the second half. And, you know, Golly. This Golly. Is, yeah, this is 1980. Yeah, 1980, you know, I was a teenager and Copperfield was like 22 or 23. It was, um, no, it, it was awesome. It was awesome being around at that time. And, and um, even though I was in the Midwest, I guess, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like growing up in in L.A. with the, the Magic Castle or like the Long Beach Mystics or anything like that. But, you know, it was um, through Genie Magazine and, and Joe Stevens conventions. I, I got exposed to a lot of stuff, you know, got to be friends with, you know, John Carney and Pat Hazel and those guys back in the in the early 80s. So that's it, amazing. It, it was your, fun. Your club in college, was that with IBM or SAM? Say that again. I'm sorry. Your club in college, was that with the uh, IBM SAM group or did you guys it, just start your own? Um, thing? It, it was with the SAM, actually. Okay. okay. And uh, I didn't know much about it. There was an older magician. His name was Arturo that lived in Topeka. And he goes, um, we should, you know, do this with the SAM. And it was like, OK, whatever. I just wanted, you know, get together once a month and do shows. <laughs> get, give me a goal, you know, every month. It was one of those our meetings were fun because, you know, I guess we did the business. I don't remember the business part of it very well because I didn't really care about the president, vice president, and all that crap. It was just like we just had a show every every meeting and the members had members to be in this in the group. You had to be in the show at some point. You didn't have to do it. But like I volunteered every single month. I'm, I go, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. And uh, so, you know, I had to come up with new material every single month for to do that. So it, it, it motivated me to, you know, constantly expand, whether it be sleight of hand or uh, stage uh, parlor stuff or illusions. And, and hey, uh, it was you're, a good saying, you're saying show was this was this, uh, you know, college students got to come and watch you guys or is this just you're putting on a show for the Magic Club? It was just the Magic Club. Show. OK, OK. But, I was just but, curious. Yeah, but you know what? We had a pretty good group. So, I mean, yeah. and they, could, they could bring their families if they wanted to. I always remember there was always like, you know, it wasn't big, but there was always 25, 30, 35 people in the audience. So that's you know, great. Yeah. You, you yeah. You and, and it was organized and it was like, OK, here's the four acts and there was an MC and and so. So what what put you over the edge to make you want to do it for a living? Um. That that came about kind of I kind of went a different path. So I get out of college and uh, and I go, OK, what am I going to do now? I have a degree in finance and economics. OK, what am I going to do? And there was a nightclub opening in Kansas City that was hiring that was hiring um, variety acts, magicians and singers and dancers and jugglers. And it's like, I'm going to go apply for that job. So. I went and applied and I got the job, you know, right at the interview. And, oh, wow. uh, and, uh, they said, and a week later they, they called me up. It was opening like in three weeks, maybe 
maybe three or four weeks the club was opening. But um, maybe two weeks later, they called me up and said, hey, Greg, the entertainment director, uh, the entertainment director, we're opening one in San Diego and the entertainment director wants to work in San Diego. So do you want to be the entertainment director here? Oh, my goodness. I know. So I said, "Okay, you know, I'm 23. Okay, that sounds like fun. So now I'm in charge of all the entertainers. I'm in charge of all the singers and dancers and jugglers and all that. And uh, so I did. So so I didn't get to do as much magic as I wanted, but it's still it was a really cool nightclub and it had a stage. And I I was doing the zigzag and I was doing sub trunk and I was doing an upside down straight jacket over the dance floor. And oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, this is like 1984. You know, um, even the rigging wasn't too too complicated it was pretty much a pulley system with you know okay we need five guys to pull greg upside down over the dance floor. <laughs> and uh and uh but that was fun and then i would do sleight of hand i'd you know go from table to table and and you know it's a nightclub it's completely different than restaurants it's like you don't even ask permission you just sit down with them and you just start doing stuff and and yeah. messing with them so it do you look that. back on that pulley system and think you know, I let five drunk people hold me upside down. How dangerous <laughs> that really was. You know what? It was, but there was always people from the club there. That, okay. Okay. You know, the bar backs are uh, the other managers or stuff, but we, they'd still get, you know, two or three other guys. Come on. It, it was like, it was like built into the show, but. Um, it Cause when you're matter. a kid, that's fun. But when you're older, you're like, I really let five drunk people hold me upside that. down. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't I smart know. at all. I know. No, there was no way I was going to do that. So. Okay. Okay. But, uh, I would have. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, so I'm doing that. And then like, uh, I don't know, nine months later, they said, Hey, Greg, we really like you. Why don't you be the assistant general manager of the club? I mean, this is a $3 million club in 1984. And wow. this is in Kansas. In Kansas city. Yeah. In wow. Kansas city. And then they said, uh, so I'm, I'm the, assistant general manager and then another club in columbus ohio calls calls up confetti because this this concept was so popular that other people were trying to trying to copy it but they didn't know how to run it so they were hired managers from this company so they called up kansas city and they said hey we need we need to talk to the manager and i go this is and they said hey we're opening a club called streamers which is you know direct ripoff of confetti and they said, hey, we want to open streamers in Columbus, Ohio. Do you want to run it? And I go, how much are you going to pay me? And they said, this much. And I go, well, I'll, I'm on my way. So, oh, wow. Uh, so now, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Now I'm 24 and running this huge nightclub in Columbus, Ohio. And then, uh, and then the company I worked for before that, Confetti, they were, had one in Dallas they wanted me to run. So they said, hey, we'll pay you this much to come back. So I go, okay, I'll go back to Dallas and run that one. And then, so now I'm, what am I, 25, 26. And then when I'm 26, I go, oh, you know what? I'll make a lot more money if I own my own club. Ah. So, so I raised my, I raised enough money to open my own nightclub in Dallas. And yeah, only 26 and open this club up. And it just like exploded. It was so popular for years. And um, it was a dance club, but it was also did we did live music and ended up turning into pretty much a rock and roll club but we still did we still did all kinds of music and uh vanilla ice um robbie robbie van winkle he he was a regular and then and then you know he turned into vanilla ice and was 
you know, started at my club and Edie Burkell started wow. at my club and wow. Um, yeah. And then Pantera was my Monday night band because we were doing metal Mondays. <laughs> oh so, my gosh. So Pantera was the, and, uh, and then I started. Yeah, what booking, town are you in now that you opened this, up your own? This, this is in Dallas. Went back to Dallas. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but then I'm hiring, you know, Joan Jett and Lita Ford and the <laughs> Romantics and Black Crows and um, the list just goes on and on. So, that was a lot of fun. So, were you doing magic still? At, no, I wasn't no. doing it. I wasn't okay. doing it at all. I, I, you know, I was from like '84 to '90. I really, you know, I was still getting Genie magazine, and I was still going to the magic shop buying some books, and still, but I wasn't really focused on it at all. Yeah, I was, I was focused on running these nightclubs and marketing, and mm-hmm. marketing was the whole key to making these clubs work. And, um, that was like the best education ever. So when I turned 30, it's like, you know what, if I don't do magic full time now, I'm never going to do it. And, um, I, I knew some people, I knew some other magicians. I knew Dan Summers. Um, Dan's a very good friend of mine. He's the inventor of the compressed illusion mm-hmm. and, uh, Insta babe and quite a few other illusions. And Dan was a good friend and and um and we actually built you know like the first compressed we were out in his shop working on that the the cutting and eights i forget what he calls it i just call it the cutting and eights but uh um that was we built the first he came out moved out to vegas when i was here and we built the first one here and it went into my venetian show and um but anyway i met these magicians and and at 30 i said okay i better do it i better do it now i'm never going to do it so I, I sold my half of the uh, nightclub to my partner and took the money and invested it in illusions. And within uh, within two years, I'm headlining at the MGM. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So That's people, amazing. Uh, it was like, how that how how the heck did he do that? He was right. he was just a nightclub owner. And now he's headlining at the MGM. It's like how does that work? And it was, it was all marketing. And and then after that, after, you know, that was a good run. That was a four year contract. And then after MGM, you know, I was on the tonight show with Jay Leno during that run. And a, how did bunch- that go? Cause he was notorious for not liking magic. How was your appearance with Jay Leno? You know what? It was fine. Um, and I just saw Jay like right before the pandemic, I was working at the magic castle and, my friend said, Hey, uh, let's go. I'm, they're really good friends with Jay. And they said, Hey, we just got you invited to his car garage where, you know, he's got a car museum that mm-hmm. it's amazing. And it's like invitation only. And, Are you a car guy? Uh, not really, but, okay. it just, um, but, uh, my girlfriend is, and she loves him and she goes, well, I want to go. So we went and but uh, no, it was some, the, the amazing thing about the Jay Leno story was, you know, people people try forever to get on the Tonight Show. Um, they send in videotapes and 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 have agents and try everything to get on that show. And and uh, I was doing my show at the MGM. And uh, they were filming. Jay Leno was filming each year. He came. He took over for Johnny Carson in 92. 
So in 93, 94, 95, he would come out to the MGM for a week and tape his show live from the MGM. And huh. so I'm doing my show at the MGM and my ex-wife um, was sitting there at the, at the MGM cafe. And she just happens to be sitting at the table next to the producers of the, the segment producers of the tonight show. And she hear, hears them over talking about the guests they have on. And she just leans over and says, Hey, do you have any magicians on this week? Oh, wow. <laughs> and they go, no. And she goes, well, me and my husband, we do a show. It's like, like, you know, walk out of this, just walk out of this cafe and turn right and go down like, a, you know, 200 feet. And there's our theater. And, and they go, well, do you want to be on? She goes, you should have us on. And they go, well, what can you do? And she said a few things and um, she described the twister and they go, that sounds pretty good. Bring it in tomorrow. And if we like it, you're on. And uh, she came, she came home and said, Hey, I think we're going to be on the tonight show. And I go, really? And uh, she goes, yeah, we have to take the twister in tomorrow morning and and we'll do it until they like it. We're on. I go, okay. So that's how I ended up on the tonight show. Very cool. And uh, yeah, you know, you just look, what's the worst thing could have happened? They could have said, no, we don't want any magicians, but right. But that's not what happened. It was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Do you have have video footage of that? I do. And you know, you know, the funniest part about it is they said, well, it only pays $750. Are you sure you want to do it? And it's like, uh, well, I'd pay you 750 if I could be on it, but we're, we're here anyway. We're doing our show right there. All we have to do is walk down to this theater. You know, they had, they had three main theaters when I was there in the nineties and the, the theater where, um, Copperfield is, that was called the Hollywood theater. The EFX theaters where Ka is the Cirque show. And then they had my, my theater. Then they had more theaters out in the theme park too. So there was a lot of shows going on, but it was like, uh, yeah, I don't think we're really worried about the money. <laughs> we'll just, Heck yeah, no. we'll just come on down. So, you know, between, you know, just knowing marketing is how I got there so fast. And, um, and then just, you know, just, just asking, you know, do you have anyone on the, any magicians on just all you have to do is get out there and ask and, and, and try. And, uh, you know, the worst thing they can ever say is no. And then while I'm at the, while I'm at the MGM, it's It's, you know, now I'm making some, you know, some pretty good money. So it's like, I'm going to invest in more illusions. So I had a water levitation built and some other stuff. And now I got this really, uh, you know, double signs and I got a big show. So I videotape all that and send that to the cruise ships. And um, like instantly, you know, they're, they're going, Hey, the headliner from the MGM has this big show and, and the cruise ships, you know, they started calling me right away. So that's how I got my foot in, in the door at the cruise in the cruise ships. Are you still doing cruise ships? I was up until a pandemic. Okay. And, uh, they're slowly they're they're. It's been pretty weird. And, uh, you know, they still had some, it's, it's finally kind of getting back to normal out there. Um, for the longest time, you know, some of the ships have been going out and the rules for magicians are like, you can't have anyone on stage. You can't have any volunteers. You can't right. do any of that. And it's like, still. well, 
Yeah. Wow. I think I'll just wait until it's kind of like a little bit more back to normal. And, so um, when I was hearing rumors that they were drawing back in close-up magicians, that's what they were going for because they didn't want to ship the illusions and all right. that stuff and animals and stuff. Is that yep. just the smaller ships because the bigger ships still had the cash to do it? Or was it drying up, that market drying up before the pandemic? Uh, good question. Okay. Before the pandemic, I mean, I was doing... Let's talk about the mid 2000s, like um, I'm going to say from t- 2000, I started on ships in 97 and I was doing all illusions, not all illusions, but, you know, I was doing a big illusion show and uh, everything from um, water levitation to origami to double signs, to st- upside down straitjacket to cutting and eights and compressed and, uh, you know, a long list of stuff. And I would change it all the time. And then, but it, what, what's tough about the ships is when you have all those props and they only have you on for two or three months, then you got to pack them all up and you got to ship it and it gets expensive. So I made a deal with one cruise line with NCL. It's like if they gave me this one ship out of New York City that um, I would work for three, work, stay on for three months and then go home for a month and stay on for three months and go home for a month. And I would leave all my stuff. So they had a huge illusion show on there. And then for three months a year, they would just fly someone on um, with like a suitcase show that that uh, could fill in for me just for, you know, basically for four nights is all it was. So the rest of the time I was there and I ended up doing that seven years. And, you know, that's where I developed my helicopter production. You know, so I was producing a full size helicopter on stage on a cruise ship and I was um doing a flying like a johnny gone flying levitation and a table of death so so i was doing huge stuff up until 2013 when that contract ended so i was i mean that contract i had that ship for 2005 to 2013 it was i could do anything i wanted on that stage i only had it one night a one night a, a cruise one night a week but it was so much fun having, you know, the same room. It's like your own little theater. You can do whatever you want. Absolutely. And, uh, I was rotating props in and out and, and they had a budget. They didn't care. They didn't care about shipping back then. And then, yeah, I don't know what happened in the industry. Things kind of changed and they go, okay, we don't want these illusion acts anymore. We want people we can just fly on for a week or two. And, um, I said, well, that's fine with me. And, uh, you know, the pay, the pay was the same whether I was making a helicopter up here or doing my card show. So I had been developing my card show. They weren't, they didn't hire me for my card show, but they had a movie theater. And I would tell the cruise director, I'd say, hey, the first, uh, the first day was always a sea day because we were sailing somewhere. And uh, I said, I want to do my close-up show in there. Instead of showing movies, I want to do a close-up show at one and three. And they go, okay, whatever. They, they could care less, actually. They were, they were just happy that, you know, they had more activities for the passengers. So I, for, you know, starting in 2000, I started doing shows in theaters with video projection. And so, you know, everything that's going, you see on America's Got Talent now, I actually start, actually in 99 is when I first started doing those. And I had to bring my own projector and camera and everything. But, uh, I started doing, you know, one hour shows just with a camera and a, and a projector and, you know, just close up show with coins and cards and stuff. Sounds um, like you're ahead of the game on that one. Yeah, way ahead. And, and then in the, so 
when I was on the Dawn for that seven years in NCL Dawn, they had to like, it was the nicest movie theater ever. So I said, so I was doing two shows uh, the first night, the first day, every, every cruise and developing my close-up show and really evolving it. And so when they decided not to do a, the illusion show, I said, well, fine, I'll just do my main, my close-up show. And in instead of the, the movie theater held whatever, 150 people. So I'll take it down into the 1500 seat theater, the 1215, depending on the theater, depending on the ship. But uh, it plays just as well in a 1,200-seat theater. In fact, it might even play better. Yeah, it's the same. It's, you know, close-up's amazing. It, it doesn't, when you're doing that and you have projection, it, it, it can be huge or it can be small. It's, you know, Shin Lim's doing it right now here in, in Vegas. And um, a lot of people go, well, I don't want to go watch a show where I'm watching video. And it, it's not you watch how the it, TV, right. Yeah, it's not how it is, though. It's, you know, it's... It's supplemented with the TV, but you're not watching it all the time. You're only watching it part of the time. And the way my show's developed, um, which no one has really duplicated yet, is all the focus is on me until I'm starting to do something. And then it goes to the project. Then it goes to the video screen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I've had. So basically, um, as far as the close up goes, getting rid of the big props has made my life so much easier on the ship. I used to get so, you know, I used to watch those comedians come on and their 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 rehearsal was like five minutes. OK, um, have the this light and uh, let me test the mic. OK, OK. And now literally my rehearsal time is is almost like that. It's most of the theaters on the ships. They have their own video projection. And so I don't have to worry about that. So I just tell the the um, producer, the um stage director i just say hey i need a, a table set here and i need a camera on a tripod right here and plug it into the screen and wow I, and so they have it all set up for me and i go okay let's set the lights and you know i have like two light cues i have when i'm at the table and when i'm not at the table <laughs> so it's got a lot simpler a lot the pay easier. the same is what rattles my brain that's yeah, that's what it does it i don't know i see I just, well, I've been doing it for so long. I just have a set fee, you know, and I, right, just, right, and right. I get it. So it's, I remember like, you know, because I'm so established in that market, um, they don't ever question it because the ratings come back. And if your ratings are high, then it's like, oh, he's doing a good job. And every single one of my, every single one of my shows is a standing ovation every single time. And, um, it's just a deck of cards and it's still standing over. And it's not even like, okay, it's a jump to their feet, standing ovation. That's what's so amazing about it. These people just watch me with a deck of cards for an hour and all jump to their feet. And, uh, and, um, so the ratings are high. So the people booking me in the home offices, they go, well, look, look, look at his ratings. You know, he's getting, uh, you know, 99 out of 100 or 100 out of 100 or 98 out of 100 or whatever. And, you know, as long as you're over whatever, 85 or something, you're fine. And, uh, you know, some cruise ships, 
some cruise ships I was at like 113%, 112%. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't even know how they did that rating. That was Oceania. <laughs> that's because that's because you had the uh, extra milk pads and you were on your, <laughs> on your six days off, you were filling them out. You had those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> that's impossible, man. You can't have 113%. So uh, how big is this warehouse? How big is what? How big is your warehouse? It's got to be huge. Yeah, I have 50 illusions in the warehouse. Wow. Um, Very cool. From helicopters to, you know, I don't know how many levitations I have there. I have the water and the Brett Daniels goddess levitation and the flying levitation. And I have, I have like every sign over there. I have the double signs and the clearly impossible and the um, wakeling sign and the Harbin Bosaw. And um, it takes up, I have, okay, here's the deal with my warehouse, which is kind of cool. Uh, about, uh, I'm going to say it's about, it was about the time I started. It must've been like 2012 when I quit doing the illusions on the ships all the time. And I started touring more and I said, I need a warehouse that has a loading dock. And because it was so hard to get the props into a truck because, you know, sometimes the trucks, either they have a ramp or they have a lift gate. Right. And some some of the props were like too big for the lift gate even it's like i need a loading dock and yeah. this company that was picking up my props said we just got a warehouse we have a loading dock you should talk to the owner and i said okay so i went over there and they go yeah you can rent some space from us we have um billy idol stuff right here and the killer stuff right here and i go wow i go that's kind of cool but that was like 10 years ago and it's grown and grown so now the warehouse is 85,000 square feet and which is humongous. And so I have my little space and the killers and, and Billy's still there. But now we have Lady Gaga and Janet Jackson and Cher and Shania Twain and Celine Dion and Elton John and um, Katy Perry. And, and I don't you ever know. run into any of them while you're there. No, they 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 have people. They have people. They have people. <laughs> they have people. So, so how, explain to me how it is, though. I mean, do you have your own lock and key, and it's your side, or is it just a warehouse? You just put stuff on the shelf. It's just a warehouse. There is no shelf. It's just a huge, big room, and it's kind of like there's um, some people that work there, and they go, "Here's your space," and we have aisles between our stuff, you know. It's like, don't, you can't go across this aisle. It's like, that's Aerosmith stuff. You can't, you know, don't. Well, that's, that's what I was worried about. If, if Lady Gaga just goes in there, I want to see how a water levitation looks. I want to open up that crate. Don't mess yeah. with my magic. Oh my gosh. That would freak me out. Yeah. Oh, they could care less. You know, it's yeah, like, well. um, you know, you walk in there and you see Elton John's like costume cases and you go, oh, I, that, that would be cool to see. <laughs> or, you know, his red piano or or stuff like that but uh no it's 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 really really the security is there it's not like a warehouse that you can just go and start working on stuff it's literally a warehouse that you pull up in a truck and you take your stuff out or you bring your stuff in and leave it there literally i've been there like two hours in the last two years right wow but wow. you, you just walk in and you're just stunned. 85,000 square feet of road cases. It's unbelievable. Dude, I'm, I'm looking at these pictures of your China tour uh, from 2013. 
And oh, I, yeah. just, I have so many questions. How many Twister illusions do you have? This one looks metal. And then I saw another one with the doors open that I was thinking might be like mine. I have a pink one. Um, but I don't know. How many Twisters do you have? I only have one. You might be looking at you might be looking at the disembodied, the silver one. That's what it is. Okay, that's disembodied. Okay, I see it now. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yep, yep I was mistaken. You're right. That's an Owens piece. That's beautiful. That thing's a piece of art. Now, your twister, what color is the outside? Um, white. White, okay. And I need to talk to you because Natalie is 5'11". and I 5'10". Five 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 and I'm 5'5". Five five. Okay, so wow. I don't understand how the math works because when I hug her, my ear is in her boob. So <laughs> I, I say she's taller. So I always wanted to do a shrinker or something to bring my wife down to my size and play there on that and make a joke about it. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if I want a shrinker. If I want to, uh, what's the, what's the one that Copperfield does where he shrinks? What is that called? The squeeze box. Squeeze box. All right, shrinker, squeeze box. I'm always thinking about one of those. But which one is easier to travel with and set up? You know, there's. I'll tell you all about that. Um, the maybe we want to talk about it off the air. Dag on it, man. I have so much to talk to you about because. I have you here. I know you have new props coming out, and we could talk about that all day long, just talking about the minutia, unless you have a quick answer, because we're already 36 minutes into this thing, man. I'm loving it. The uh, All I can tell you about that, uh, the, the compressed, Dan Summers invented it. It was because he wanted to do Squeezebox, and Andre Cole did not want to sell anybody the rights. He had sold David the rights, but he didn't want to sell anybody else the rights to the Squeezebox. So Dan goes, well, there's probably a, a better way to do it or a different way to do it. So Dan came up with his way, which was the upright cabinet. And it's it's a superior illusion. Um, backstage, it takes up, you know, two feet by three feet backstage instead of six feet by eight feet. OK. Uh, and and it's visually so much stronger. So, no, I highly recommend, you know, that's the prop to go with. Dude, I love it. I love it. Um, what else? So I know I want to talk about your Doug Henning memorabilia, but I wrote a question down earlier when we were talking. I, oh, wait, I got another question. I got all this stuff going on. And I, okay. we're, we only got 20 more minutes. And you I, can't I, choose I, a direction. I got you. <laughs> you have a, uh, it looks like Lance Burton's cane uh, trick here. Did you buy Lance Burton's trick? Is that um, Lance Burton's with the stars and the canes that Lance did on his show? That's actually Doug Henning's. Doug Okay. I've only seen Lance do it. Yes. All right. So tell me, educate me, teach me. Lance bought bought it from Doug Henning. Doug Henning had it because Jim Steinmeier put it together. So I bought the rights from Jim Steinmeier to do it. And I built it myself. Okay. So, you know, the trick is actually in Tarbell, uh, the cane cabinet. However, the routine, the backstage routine is what Steinmeier came up with. And that's what made it a good trick. So um, it, the first time I ever saw it, Doug Henning did it. And then Lance got it from Doug. Wow. You got so much stuff here. I'm only on the Chinese tour, man. I love all of this stuff. Golly, golly. All right. So yeah. let's get into. Um, oh, well, one more thing before I get into Doug Henning. What kind of music do you listen to today? Because you had all those different bands and your clubs and stuff. And it sounded like a, a, a huge variety. You know what? I, I like the classic rock stations. Classic rock. Um, 
What about a club? I, in, what about a club in Vegas? Or you just rather you don't want that headache? You just rather tour and do a magic yeah. club. We need a magic club in Vegas. Um, you can drink and watch watch magic all day long. There's enough magicians. You can keep those employed, and then you can do your big stage show. Yeah, I know Vegas is it's a whole different ball game out here. It's not worth it. Um, you know, even Caesar's Magical Empire, they tried it and they brought me in to run that uh, before I was there before it even opened and I knew a disaster that was going to be. It was, you know, we were calling it the Tragical Empire like 6 months before it even opened. Wow. And that was like a 56 million dollar loss that they at least they put $56 million into that, and then they ran it in the red for the first couple of years. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to be responsible for this mess. <laughs> so, so I got out of there and I said, I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, in charge of man, you know, the management of this, you know, I go, I know it's not going to make any money. It's like, I already, I already ran clubs. I know what's going to happen. And uh, I was said, it just overhead with talent? Was it just poorly run? What was the, there was, it, it was the whole concept of of trying to serve lunch and dinner for 12 hours straight okay. um, with, you know, running 24 people through every five minutes. It just wasn't going to happen. And it it didn't. It, it, they had to eventually, you know, they opened it or normally at, they, they were going to do 11 to 11 and it finally went to like 5 to 10 or something. They just... They had to drop, you know, over half of the of what they expected to make. And I tried to tell them at the beginning, but they didn't want to listen to a 32 year old telling them <laughs> what was going to happen when you were running clubs. Yeah. yeah. Right. Out of college. So um, we only have 19 minutes left, man. I mean, this time has flown by. I'm loving this so much. We'll definitely get you back. Um Let's talk about your new product line that you have coming out. You have a big boom product launch coming. Tell me all about it. I can't, I wish I could, but, um, you know, I put out quantum coins, uh, in 2020 and it was an idea I had it was a matrix routine that it looked, it looked so magical and it took no skill almost. It was absolutely beautiful. And it, it didn't, it wasn't using black art or anything like that. And, uh, it was a huge hit. And I said, you know, I think I might, I should start getting into some of this designing some of my, you know, putting out some of my ideas. And in the last, I'm going to say six months, I'm, I've, I've got prototypes of a lot of them, but because they're not out yet, I don't really want to talk about them until they're released. But all I can say is it it's, it's cool stuff and there's nothing like it right now. And, um, I, I think, I think they're going to be huge hits, huge hits. I mean, I've been in magic so long. And if, if I saw something like this came come out, I would like snatch it up in a second. One of them, one of them is going right into my close-up show. Not only is it going into my close-up show, it's going to be the finale of my close-up show. And the finale of my close-up show right now already gets a standing ovation every single time. And this one, this one's going to be five times better than that one. Wow. Wow. So, so yeah. is it coin stuff? Is it card stuff? Can you say that? Um, I can tell you it's cards, but it's not even a card trick. Nobody picks a card. Nobody, nobody has to remember a card. It's, 
Okay, I don't want to mess you up. I don't want to mess you up. Yeah, so here's I, the thing. I have that Facebook group, Wes Osley's Magic Life Facebook uh, podcast group. Yeah. Um, so I'll put this episode there, and when they come out, I'll put links to those items. Just let me know. I also run a Magicians Facebook group. It's just titled Magicians. Okay. I have 17,700 members as of this morning. I will put your products there, and they go to you to buy them. I don't want a penny out of it. I don't want a, anything. I just want to share the love with my friends. Awesome. So Thanks, Wes. When you, get, when you get those out, let me know, and I'll put those links to those commercials out. And I'm just running a commercial for my friends. So how about that? That I appreciate that so much because, uh, yep, I'm going to be do, doing the same thing on my Facebook groups and everything, too. But, but with your 17,000, that's awesome. And, yeah, man. Yeah. And, so, uh, um, so we have 15 minutes left. Tell Natalie about your love of uh, Doug Henning. That's really what we were talking about in Vegas. Because I was like, mm, it was before my time. I was a Copperfield guy growing up. Obviously, yep. I love Penn & Teller, Copperfield. Um, but it's totally it's two different styles. And somebody said, well, pick them. Which one do you like the best? If you're only to watch one the rest of your life. It's like, it's, 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 it's two totally different things. It's apples and oranges. It, um, it is it is two totally different things and it's and they and they and they the way they produced their specials was completely opposite of what of of each other too um you know doug was fearless doug was doing live live one hour live um tv specials yeah copperfield did not do that he, no <laughs> he had like 28 uh tapings under his belt before he yeah exactly plus he toured all of his material for months and months and months before he even did it, which, which David is a perfectionist and, you know, you work out all the bugs. Doug hadn't worked out all the bugs, but Doug specials were, were still at the time, just, uh, they were groundbreaking. It was, there was no magic specials. People, you know, hadn't seen, you know, the sword suspension had been around a long time, but no one had seen it. No one had seen anyone. The first special he did the, uh, torn and restored gene anderson's torn and restored newspaper and nobody had ever seen that um he did the decolta chair which you know let's say that was invented in i'm not sure i'm gonna say 1880s 1890s yeah and uh and you know no one had seen that illusion probably i don't know let's say 75 80 years no one had seen that illusion and uh when they shot that it it was you know, it was magical seeing that on TV with no trick photography or anything. And, you know, um, 50 million people watch that. And, and that chair is sitting in my dining room right now. Oh, wow. Is, is that cool. the Egyptian chair? It, it's, it's the Egyptian chair. Um, okay. When he did it on his first special, they, it's, Owens built it. And uh, it didn't have the Egyptian motif or decor on it. It was just a black... Uh, a black chair. So if you ever get a chance to watch that first Doug Haynes special, but, uh, and then when he started doing his statue of the Pharaohs on tour, he had to vanish somehow and then reappear in the statue. And he used the Dakota chair for that. So wow. that's when, that's when they put the motif on it. But yeah, that's sitting right in my dining room. The, the whole statue of the Pharaohs, this giant table, and uh, the 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 chair sitting right next to it, and his bump box, which is uh, from his first special too, is sitting right there next to it in my dining room. Well, I told and, Natalie how that worked um, off the air uh, before yep. while we were waiting on you. 
because I was like, it's in the middle of the stage. And I'm telling you, Natalie, it's only yeah. this big. What is it? Two feet by two feet. And I said, he's like 12 girls come out of this box. And she's no. like, well, how, how is it? What, what, what? And I'm like, mm, this is how it's done, honey. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> how, what, how did he do it? He how used did... it for bump in the night. Is that what it was? Yeah. You know, the bump in the night, it was, um, you know, that, that goes back to, who does that go back to? Savoy, Savoy, Leroy. Okay. It was called the. It was called the Three Graces. It was basically the modern cabinet, and they would do the switch, and uh, and then they. Doug always liked the method of the bump box. Uh, yeah, we don't really want to talk about the method, but he right. he knew about it, and he wanted to put it in spellbound, and they didn't know how to put it in spellbound. They wanted to put it in the magic show, and they. They didn't know how to do it there. So when he got his first TV special, it's like, I want to do this. So he and Charlie Reynolds sat down and said, okay, you know, this is, I want to do the three graces trick. Well, they didn't even know what they were going to do, but they said, Hey, let's, let's make the million dollar mystery is what, um, what it was called. Yeah. And, uh, million dollar mystery. And, so we need to come up with the routine and then they said let's add the three graces to it and then at the end it's like well we can do anything with this with this method let's have a tiger appear at the end and uh so charlie reynolds put all that together for him i had lunch with charlie reynolds a couple of years before he died and uh he goes you know that was like like that was like one of his favorite things he ever invented for doug he invented a lot of things for doug and uh and that was one of the things he invented for doug so it's it's interesting, you know. Doug did that on his first special, and then Copperfield ended up doing it on one of his specials. Um, he called it the Big Black Box, and he had a red wall, that, didn't he? Didn't Copperfield have a red wall behind him for that? Red and black, I think so. Okay, yeah, yeah, and um, so um, it's amazing that the stuff Doug did on his early specials. He's the, you know, he did the water levitation first. Um, he did the motorcycle vanish first. He did the elevator first. He did the walking through the mirror first. He did the um, things that go bump in the night. You know, David ended up doing all of them on his specials. What about origami? Origami, Doug had the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, here we go. I just brought up the picture on your Facebook. Oh, that's okay. the bump box. And that's the that's the Dakota chair oh, with the Egyptian theme. Cool. So you take the headpiece off and Doug's sitting there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's neat. I actually did that on Masters of Illusion, too. Wow. So, Doug did it on TV, and I did it on TV. So, that's that's kind of cool. So That is cool. Now, I got to meet him a couple times. And, uh, and uh, he, you know, just a little guy. And he just loved, he loved magic, and he believed in it. And, uh, no, he he really kind of ignited, ignited my uh, interest in it. Even though I was interested in it, it, it just... It pushed me farther. Yeah. And so you have the the mummy motif going on too. Is that is that that's not magic? It's just uh, sarcophaguses in your house. Yeah, you know what? Um, there was an auction. Uh, Luxor had a big auction, and uh, oh, and cool. My my girlfriend loved those, and she goes, "Let's put these in our house." And I go, oh, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, dude. I go, "That's pretty cool." My my ex wife is like. You can't have any magic outside your office. And now our whole house is like a museum. Like, the, you know, the kitchens, the Houdini kitchens got a water torture cell in there and a milk can in there and a, and a, a big uh, a 
straight jacket in a shadow box. It's a, it's a duplicate of the, from the Houdini movie, Tony Curtis movie. And, uh, you know, framed handcuffs and locks and everything. So the Houdini kitchen and, uh, and, um, the Doug Henning dining room. And it's just a, um, it's a museum. So for those uh, listeners all over the world, if you're dating a magician, don't try to pigeonhole him. Put him in a corner because you'll become oh. an ex-wife. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you have an elevator illusion as well? I I, I did have an elevator illusion and um, someone someone really wanted it and I hadn't I wasn't using it. And so I very seldom sell any of my illusions. Wow. But um, I love it so much. But uh, yeah, I ended up selling that one. And, uh, and I haven't needed it for two years. So <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. Because of this pandemic, I mean, my, all, all my, all my cases have been sitting there for two years and, uh, and the, you know, I'm starting to get, I'm starting, the bookings are starting to come in now pretty good. And, but my focus is more on, on the, on sleight of hand and what I've been doing for the last 20 years and all my product, most of my product line is, is based on um close up or parlor and but i am putting out a couple of illusions too dude i can't wait okay is ray helping you with the illusions um with yeah that's why i came over today with to look at one yes awesome 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 dude i got pictures of you here on facebook i'm just going through your photo album you and uh sick freed yep and you with all the boys you got uh kevin james and uh who who else who else uh Mark Kalen and yeah. uh, is it Antonio? What is his name? The little oh, guy. Antonio. Yeah, they they yeah. came up and saw me. I, that was um, last summer for six months. I had a show in Kansas City. Um, Las Vegas was still kind of shut down and the mask mandate and everything. So Kansas was like open. And I go, well, I think I'll go to Kansas and do a show for six months. So my wow. uh, my family's still up there and I hadn't seen him. I mean, I'd see him like you know, a couple days a year for the last 30 years. And it's like, I'm going to go up and do a show in Kansas city. And, uh, we just did a Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. And I'd be up there during the week or I'd be in Vegas during the week, but Friday and Saturday and Sunday, I'd be up there doing shows. And, you know, my mom, she's 88, 89. She was at every single show. She loved it. So that's amazing. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, but it was so much fun getting to do, uh, you know, my close-up show, because that, that year before, I was just kind of developing new material, and it was like, okay, now I get to do all this material every night, so it was a lot of fun. I think I know about this. This is the one that was at the store. You had a storefront, almost. Yeah. Yes. I do know. I see I, I see more of your stuff on Facebook than I think I do. <laughs> Dude, yeah. this has been amazing. Thank you so much. We only have a couple minutes left. What else you want to leave us with? Uh, I think I just want to thank you for, you know, spending an hour with me on, on the Sunday afternoon and let me tell my story. And, um, if anyone ever has any questions, I'm on Facebook. If they want to, you know, message me and ask me something, they're more than I, I, I'm, I check it all the time. It's Greg Gleason, G as G R E G. Yep. Gleason, G L E A S O N on Facebook. How about a website? Uh, gleasonmagic.com. And are you playing on TikTok at all? I no, I, I don't have time for all that. It's just, <laughs> Instagram, so Twitter, any of those? No, it's too time consuming. It's it really um, is. I I just can't focus on that. I'm focusing on other things, and uh, 
and all, like all these new products that are coming out. So um, hopefully uh, I'll talk to you and we'll get those on the, on those other social platforms. Oh, a hundred percent. As soon as they come out, you let me know and I'll, uh, and I'll send you uh tag you and those things too. So you can, you can find them because I want you to join those groups. So you can see all of that too. So, okay. I'd and I'll too. find some of your uh, appearances on masters of illusion. Cause you've only been doing it like six years straight. So uh, huh, I know right. there's lots of appearances that is at least 12 appearances on there then. Right. It's, or like, 15. 40. it's like 40. Um, 40. I've been Good doing, gosh. I've been doing it for eight years and, uh, there was, you know, I did it in 90, in 99, they had one season in 1999 and we did it then. And then they started back up in 2015. So I've done it every year since then. And I always do four five, six spots. So. Wow. Wow. You got to put a good word in for me with uh, a gay. I can do that easily. I would and, love it. I would love it. We'll be, we'll be there. Awesome. All right, dude. Well, Hey, thank hey. you so much. Stay on the line real quick. I'm going to do a plug and we'll wrap everything up. Uh, guys, it. we don't have a lot coming up public show wise, but we do have July 19th. We'll be at Firehouse Theater in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And on July 24th, we'll be at Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Check out WesIsley.com for that. Guys, that was an awesome podcast with Greg. It's one of those that flew by so quick. We got to do another one, buddy. We got to we got to do it again. Season three is coming up in like five weeks. We'll get you booked in season three. Yeah, that would be fun. Great. You're, you're the best. Thank you hey, so thank much, man. Hey, one thank more thing. Um, one, two. See, See you next, next week. week. <laughs> okay. Check us out online at wesisley.com and patreon.com forward slash wes underscore Isley for behind the scene videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I. -S -E